Hi, this is Ozzy Jurok, the host of Ozbus, a podcast that loves to talk with interesting people, their journey to success with a slight bend to real estate. And none better than to talk to our guest today, Mr. Ralph Case. Hi, Ralph. Good morning. I'm glad to have you here. Tell us a little bit about uh, how you get got to where you are today. Okay, well, to start off where I am today, uh, you and I have been business partners for probably 16, 17 years and counting. We started out in the internet space, but we both had the, the roots in real estate. And mainly, um, you know, we've done very well together, investing in real estate and also teaching people about real estate through Jurok Case Investment Realty and the Real Estate Action Group. So how I got started was kind of funny. I uh, grew up in the US just outside of New York City and I went to university at Columbia in the city and I just always felt a wanderlust and I got a degree, was going to be a degree in physics and then I decided I didn't want to spend my life in a white coat and a piece of chalk uh, (laughs) drawing on chalkboards. So I thought, oh, there's this thing called geophysics. I thought maybe then you go out and you climb on mountains and you know, all this exciting stuff. So there I am in New York City uh, studying to be a geophysicist. And I graduated and my dad said, so now what? You can't get a job in New York City as a geophysicist. So that was before email. So I had to (laughs) type out letters and send them off with stamps to um, two places. One is Houston, Texas. One is Calgary, Alberta where there were oil companies and this was the early 1980s and there was an oil uh, boom and everybody thought you could get jobs and I thought okay let's let's try this out so lo and behold I got letters back and I got a letter from Chevron in Calgary saying you know come on out we'll fly you out and interview you I thought woohoo so um, another letter came from a company called Schlumberger which was an oil services company from Houston. And they said, yeah, fly out, you know, we'll, we'll interview you. So I said, okay, here I go. And so uh, I got my tickets, they mailed me tickets and I flew out and first trip was to Calgary, Alberta. And uh, I went out there and I don't know why they rented me a car, but I was, I think 21 years old and went to the (laughs) counter and rented a car and I drove out to Banff and Lake Louise and I'm an avid skier. And I just went, wow, you know, this is incredible. So, they had me hook, line, and sinker. They could have paid me anything and I would have taken that job. But just to you know, see the other side, I went down to Houston and interviewed there. And they took me out to the shop and you know, I, I uh, went in there, fresh-faced young man looking for a job. And one of the guys said, uh, you're a Yankee? And I'm like, oh, you know, like the, the culture runs deep down there. They still hadn't forgotten the Civil War, so I thought I'd better go to Canada rather than Houston. Well, all Americans are Americans. <laughs> oh my God. So anyway, I've been uh, in Canada since 1981. I'm a Canadian citizen now. And um, anyway, that's how I ended up in Canada. And then the next step was, how did I end up in real estate? Well, when I came to Canada, I had a big dog and I got to Calgary and I couldn't rent a house. There was such a boom, you know, landlords would not rent a house to you with a dog. So I had to think creatively and I figured out a way to buy a house. So I bought a house and uh, happily my dog was happy about that. And uh, the market was booming and and my house went up about $6,000 in six months. And I was a young kid making 25,000 a year. So that was a quarter of my salary. Big big bucks. Yeah, I was amazed. So I, I, decided I'm going to be a wheeler dealer. I'm going to sell this house. And I sold the house 
and I went and I bought a bigger house. And um, so I made $6,000 in six months. I was all excited. But then um, the market turned, interest rates went up to 19%, and I proceeded to lose 30,000 in the next six months. <laughs> oh my God, you know, so I- So that was, that was your first real estate deal? <laughs> this was my first real estate deal, or my second real estate deal. The first one was good. Second one was a bit of a disaster. <laughs> but anyway, it taught me all about real estate cycles, or actually it was the first stage of my, my uh, uh, education real estate cycle. So I'm scratching my head, okay, you know, I can't sell this house. In Alberta, in those days, they had non-recourse mortgages, so you could just walk away. And uh, I'm not really proud to say that I walked away from a house, but it was just common sense. I mean, that's the law. I mean, they were stupid enough to lend to me. Um, you know, I wasn't going to sit around and pay good money after bad. So I just said, okay, you know, I'm out of here. Well, I'm surprised with that kind <coughs> of a, what kind of a, an experience that you then uh, kept on going. And uh, Well, my thought was that, okay, if the market's bad, this is the time to be buying. You know, like, sure, I was stupid to buy six months ago, but it doesn't mean I'm stupid to buy today. So I went back into Calgary and got back into the market and bought a house on uh, 14th Avenue, right near Center Street, walking distance to work. And uh, I bought a house for $63,000 with my wifey. And uh, about three years later, it was worth $96,000. So we made $30,000 um, in the next three years, a bit of a <laughs> roller coaster. But like going to the casino, I'm one of those guys that, okay, when I'm up, it's time to fold them and get out. So, you know. I, I, I was down at the table and then I was up at the table and I thought, okay, time to cash out of this casino. And uh, we decided to move to Vancouver where my wife was from because uh, we had no family in Vancouver and we had our first son was born. So said, let's head out to the coast. And all our friends thought we're crazy. Like here you, you know, you're a geophysicist, your wife's a geologist and you're just packing up and leaving. Like what the heck? But okay. I've always been one of a gambler. I've always been a wanderlust that, um, you know, it's, the, the status quo is not necessarily enough. There may be something better if you just push yourself and you get into action and you know exciting things happen when you just make things happen. So I'm a little more mellow now, like I'm sort of riding on my laurels and I'm, I'm risk averse. <laughs> I'm not gonna do anything super crazy. But, but you learned about <laughs> rental real estate too. You were in Vancouver, you bought a house. Exactly. You bought a, you bought a rental house. Yep. And, uh, that gave you some gray hair. Yes. So anyway, it's always, you know, you always wish you hadn't sold a piece of real estate. So the house that we sold on, you know, 14th Avenue ended up going up a lot of money. It was a 50 foot lot. It was a great piece of real estate. But we went to Vancouver and we took that equity and we built it into something bigger. So my mantra when I came out here was not necessarily to buy a single family house because my wife went back to UBC. So it was investment house first, then buy a personal residence and then start thinking about toys. But I always thought, you know, it's a phrase that Robert Allen used to do, the guy that wrote Nothing Down. It's guns versus butter. And I wasn't going to go out and buy butter and go on holidays and charge up my credit card and buy toys until I had bought some investment properties, bought a single family house, because that's the best tax-free deal we get in Canada is our, the appreciation of our personal residence. So I was out there um, getting into real estate. And how I got into the business of real estate was, I had a little company and was going to move it to Vancouver and we sold our house and the way we sold our house was we looked across the street and there was a real estate sign that went up and then the next day there's a sold sticker on it. I'm like, wow, that must be a good realtor. So I phone her up 
And uh, she comes over and she sticks a sign up on our house and boom, it's sold the next day. And I just did a little calculation. So she made like probably 15, 20 grand in a matter of a couple of days. And, and we're sitting down at the dining room table as we're signing the deals. I said, so, you know, tell me about yourself. And she said, well, I just got back from a six month trip in Thailand and, um, you know, sold a couple of houses, made 15, $20,000. So that gave you an idea. That gave me an idea. I said, that's the business I want to be in. You know, that's, that's an exciting business. So I came out and I wrote the real estate uh, test and, and got licensed. And uh, I just went full bore into real estate. And my manager at the time was incredulous. Like he would give all of us homework, you know, all the little newbies in the office. And uh, Monday morning he'd come back and say, so what did you guys do? And I said, well, I went, I talked to all the for sale by owners. I went to the expired listings. I knocked on doors, you know, and I'm just, I'm dead. Like I've been working like hell. And he's like, wow, you know, you're actually doing it. But, you know. It's one thing to know. It's another to take the action. Exactly. It's taking the action. And and I had a piece of paper on my desk and it said, no, 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 no. Yes. So you have to go through all those no's to get to the yes. So when somebody would say no to me, I'm just like, okay, I'm that much closer to yes. And sure enough, uh, I remember sitting in my car on one Sunday going to see a for sale by owner. I'm, I'm just turned off the car, parked, and I'm looking at the house and I'm going, Jesus, you know, I don't want to go in there. This is ridiculous. I'm a geophysicist. What am I doing? And, and then I just said to myself, damn it, you know, like get a hold of yourself. You march in there and do it. And I went in and sure enough, the guy said, oh, you know, you know, he actually talked to me. He was civil. Uh, I ended up setting up an appointment where my manager came in with me and we got the listing. I got my first listing. Hallelujah. That was the most exciting thing of my life. But I'd gone through so many no's. That actually gave you a good start also for the rest of your life because you realize that, you know, the idea is good. Just because it doesn't work right away, it doesn't mean that the idea isn't good. You've got to be persistent and yeah. keep on going. But the interesting thing is that one listing, there's so many intricacies or, or threads with my business world right now that stem from that one listing. Like the, uh, I ended up double ending it and the person that bought it, uh, you know her, Kim Sue, become one of my great friends and she used to work for me and you know I'm, I'm still in touch with her. Uh, through people across the street, I, I met contacts. They ended up buying investment properties with. Like you never know what one little thread or path is going to lead to, and and you know the amazing things that can lead from just one yes or one door that opens. So, but the key is that you have to take the action. You right? got to I mean, take the action. Once you, you got- have some education, once you have some know, once you get an idea, and uh, and I know that you're very high also on the fact that you know why are you doing what you're doing? I mean, there has to be maybe some sort of a purpose. And if you continue, then things will happen for you. Exactly. And you have to be thick skinned. If people say no to you, they're not necessarily saying no to you. They're saying no to the concept. And maybe you did a bad job of explaining it, but I never take it personal when people say no to me. I'm just like, eh, so what next? You know, yeah. you're, that's your phrase. And uh, I take that to heart that it's always a so what next, you know, just bounce off it and on you go down to another path. So is, is there, was there sort of a failure or an apparent failure that set you up for some later success? Um, I think uh, in terms of, you know, obviously the, the house that went down $30,000, I think that was a failure that set me up to further success because it taught me about real estate cycles. And uh, it, it kind of, you know, that's the, if that's the worst that 
can happen, bring it on. It's made yeah. me uh, always very um, risk averse. Uh, I will always lock in a mortgage. You know, people say you're all crazy. Right. You could have been riding variable rates all these years. And I think, well, do you buy fire insurance? And exactly. they go, yes, I buy fire insurance. Yeah. Well, did your house burn down? No. Well, <laughs> you know, are you upset that you paid fire insurance? Well, no. Well, I say that's what a fixed mortgage is. Like I buy a five-year fixed mortgage. I pay an extra 1% which is tax deductible anyway, because it's uh, an investment property. So I get half of it back. And you can and sleep at night. I can sleep at night. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, you know, maybe interest rates won't go up. I don't care. But if they do go up, I do care. So, you know, that's one of the things. But, you know, when you say what, what sort of failure um, boosted me, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, it, it was just coming to Vancouver, not knowing anyone except my wife and my son and my dog, and just making it happen. Like, yeah. I, I just refused to accept failure. Like, it's just not in the vocabulary. I had to make it happen. Um, and, you know. But sometimes you have to go down some dead ends. I, I was once asked, what would I do differently if I had to live my life all over again? I said, well, nothing, really. I look yeah. in the mirror, I like who I am. And I wouldn't be who I am if I hadn't gone through some. Exactly, you have to go some through losers of <laughs> mistakes. You have to go through some pain to enjoy the victories. Yeah. I mean, when I was sitting in Calgary with 19% interest rates and just barely yeah. paying my mortgage, I couldn't buy groceries, <laughs> and I was too proud to phone my parents and say send money. Like I was like, damn it, I'm going to figure out a way out of this. I'm going to rent rooms to people, yeah. you know, strangers that you know later became friends. But I'm going to figure out a way to get out of this. If it's to be, it's up to me. So yeah. that's my personality. Do you say, is there some unusual habit uh, that you love to uh, love to have or do? My unusual habit. Well, I've been married 33 years and uh, I guess one of my unusual things that people may not know about me is I am a figure skater. I am yes. an ice dancer. <laughs> and the reason I did this was because uh, our kids were growing up and my wife took them to skating lessons and my kids didn't like skating but my wife fell in love with skating so all of a sudden she's going off you know two three nights a week to go skating i'm like damn it you know i better go buy some skates so i shocked her i went out and i bought skates and uh if you look at figure skates they actually have little toe picks they call them on the, on the front of the blade so you can do your pirouette so they say i've never tried a pirouette but anyway when i first uh, got on the ice i'm from new york you know i'd never been on ice skates the only way we could skate was when a pond froze and that didn't happen very often they'd always make me goalie because i couldn't skate so they would just shoot pucks at me but anyway so i go out to the rink and i i go on the rink and these toe picks stick in the ice and i go flat on my face boom and i just looked up my wife was standing over me i said this is how much i love you <laughs> so anyway so you won at least you won those brownie points and i know I, that today you are a good accomplished skater. i went on to to learn to skate and i actually competed in the adult uh, canadian championships for ice dance well yeah so. like, man, as i said an eclectic <sighs> personality okay so we know what got you uh, to become a realtor how did you move the move from being a sales-oriented realtor to an investor? Okay, this is a good one. Well, first off, you know, when I mentioned that house that I, I sat outside and I, I ended up listing and I double-ended it, I remember sitting at night in bed after um, I'd signed that, you know, someone walked into my open house and bought it. And I figured, I just made $10,000 in a day. You know, they came in, I got the listing commission, I got yeah. the selling commission, and I was just so excited. 
that you know that was an amount that was almost half my salary at Chevron and I made <laughs> it in a day yeah. and you know that you can just you know do this like it's just up to you how many listings you can get and how many double ends you can get so the sky was the limit for income and that was just an exciting thing to me that I was now in control of my life my own destiny I could make as much money as I want I wasn't sitting around waiting for a pension so what turned me into the investment side of it was I'm a scientist and I would take people into a house and you know the numbers were great and then they'd start talking to me about the carpet or the way the window faced or the noise from the street (laughs) and it just drove me crazy like I couldn't handle it and plus they would want me to come out on you know weekday evenings and look at houses and I had kids you know I've got uh, two sons and a daughter that I love very much and I like spending time with them I like uh, you know having control of my time so I decided to just get into working with investors because investors I could say, hey, I'm not working this weekend, you know, come, come during the week and we'll talk. And pretty much they would buy that. So I, it got me out of working weekends, working evenings, sitting in open houses. I'm a numbers guy. I'm a physicist. I'm the guy with the chalk and the white lab coat and the chalkboard. I always want to figure things out. And so it was a nice dovetailing. And the other thing that was interesting with investment properties was I figured, you know, I can just find a building, and this is what you and I did together, and we can just sell the whole building ourselves. We don't need salespeople. So one of the first deals we did was a a little 48-unit building up in Kamloops where, you know, we were going to sell 48 units, and you give me credit for this, and I'll take it. But anyway, I said, why don't we make everybody buy four so that, you know, we just make 12 deals, because these were only like 40. That was actually pretty brilliant, you know, because you consider you have to deal with 48 people or 11 people. Particularly since the prices were what forty two thousand dollars for a part, one bedroom. I know that's the part that wasn't brilliant because they went to one hundred twenty thousand. <laughs> yeah. We should have kept them all. But anyway, we uh, we sold those in like a day or two, yeah. and and we made you know hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that's the way real estate should work. It should be work. You know, you do it scientifically, do it smart, and always make it win win. Like I still have investors that I sold their first investment property to that are still my clients because I always look at the win before I look at any commission, any gain for me. I always want to make it work for the client because my marketing philosophy is the, the best client is a repeat client. I wanna, don't want to have to keep going out and finding new clients. I just like my old clients. They're great people. Uh, they refer uh, their friends to me and that's a happy, happy to me. I mean, well, I've, that's, I've, that's, that's so important too. That's why we also like to keep one or two units in any of the buildings that we sold. And we sold a couple of thousand units uh, in British Columbia. And then at least we have our fingers in the the strata minutes. We understand what goes on maybe with the building afterwards because we care. That's right. And we've made a lot of money on those units that we hung on to. So that's happy too. (laughs) They can't make all the money. We have to be, you know, you have to... As a realtor, I'm amazed how many realtors don't own real estate or only buy their own home. You know, I always thought my first most important priority is to buy investment properties for myself, for my kids, for my wife, for my family, because, you know, I just am hook, line and sinker. I believe real estate is the best investment you can do possibly. Uh, The only thing it lacks is liquidity. Uh, So I put some money in into an RSP so that I have a, a liquid investment fund, but I am just a, a huge fan of real estate. Yeah, no question. I mean, after leverage alone, I mean, you know, somebody that has $10,000 can tie up a $100,000 property and with that $100,000 property goes up 10%, he makes 100% on his money. 
Yeah. Listen, in the last five years, what sort of a new belief or a habit has most improved your life? Uh, I think the, the one that has most improved my life is the idea of buying an apartment building and tweaking it and getting a tremendous amount of value out of increasing the net operating income. So rather than looking at a property and looking at the general market and hoping that the market will go up, just looking at a market that's flat. How do I make money in a flat market? So you and I went down to Phoenix in 2008, just, just as the big debacle and Lehman Brothers is crashing and the world is coming to an end. And we go down there and we start looking around and holy smokes, you know, real estate is cheap. And we were looking at two bedroom condos with in-suite laundry, a fireplace, uh, all one level, you know, yeah. sort of like a patio home. And they were selling as short sales for like $23,000. Yeah. And we looked at each other and said, look, look at that pickup truck in the parking lot. That's <laughs> worth more than 23000 Like crazy people down here are buying Ford F-150s and they're not buying yeah. these condos. So we loaded up on these condos or we actually loaded up writing these short sale offers. Yeah. And then six months later, we get this call from the realtor. <laughs> We'd forgotten about him. They said, oh, you know, the, the banker finally got down his pile of short sales and he'll take it. Yeah. We're like, what do you mean they'll take it? Like, well, yeah, they'll just buy it. You yeah, know, we expected counter offers. Yeah, no. <laughs> send money. <laughs> <laughs> so you and I look at each other like, oh, geez. So we start wiring down, you know, $20,000, $23,000, whatever, and buying these things up. And uh, it wasn't more than a year later, like already they had gone up in value. So the bankers weren't paying attention because in the six months since we wrote the short sale to six months later, the market was already starting to turn, but they just wanted to clear the desk. So we loaded up and then uh, we, we sold them and, and doubled our money in about two years. And that's the kind of thing that I, you know, it, it just excites me to just look for opportunities. But back to the, the idea of increasing the net operating income, while we're down in Phoenix uh, with our other partner, Dave Barnes, we started looking at apartment buildings and feeling that the rents were gonna increase. So we would just buy a building and say, look, you know, this is a great uh, 69 unit townhouse development. We're gonna buy it, we're gonna increase the rents and then we're gonna sell it. And the way it works is there's this, this thing called the multiplier effect. So if you buy at a 6% cap rate and you can increase uh, the rent on 10 suites by $5,000 or $500 a month. So say you increase your monthly rent by $5,000. So you've bought a building, it has 10 vacancies and you fill them up at 500 bucks a month. 5,000 bucks, that's not too bad. And it pretty much goes to the bottom line because your taxes all paid, your management, blah, blah, blah. So multiply that by 12 months, it's $60,000 a year. Now, at a 6% return, that $60,000 a year represents an asset inc value increase of a million dollars. So right. it's a 200 to one ratio of your dollar of rent increases the value of your building by $200. Wow, that's incredible. So we started doing spreadsheets, you and I and Dave, and uh, this first one we did um, Siesta Villas, which had this little Mexican out in the front, a, a, a ceramic <laughs> Mexican asleep under his sombrero. Really looked good for real estate, like <laughs> sleepy. Yeah. But anyway, we, we, uh, Dave found it by uh, walking around, talking to people, and he, he met this maintenance guy that said he thought this lady wanted to sell. So he ra races over there, strikes a deal with her to give us a vendor take back mortgage. I'm in Palm Springs with my wife. I get a call from Dave. Ralph, you got to come look at this. I'm like, okay. So talk to my wife and say, guess what? I'm just going to drive to 
Phoenix for a day. You know, you sit by the pool, I'll be right back. She's like, nope, you know, you're going to fall asleep at the wheel or something, so I'm coming too. So she and I hop in the car at like 5 in the morning from Palm Springs, drive to Phoenix, go through the border where the uh, federal penitentiary is, and it says, don't pick up hitchhikers. So we both <laughs> push down our lock buttons, you know, like, yes, we won't pick up hitchhikers by the federal penitentiary. Zoom into Phoenix, look at this building, and it looks great. So, you know, I said, yeah, let's go for it. And we bought it uh, for $4 million, uh, yeah, $4 million yeah. in 2012. We showed everybody the spreadsheet in our five-year plan that we're going to make this building worth $6 million just by increasing the rent. The market's not going to change. And sure enough, we sold it two years ago. Yeah. Uh, $6.5 million, I think we sold it for. So yeah, Joe and I went down and saw it as well. And those were sort of the unusual kind of... Like a like a low level uh, yeah patio homes patio patio homes so but just one thing was cool was so we only put like a million into it so right. we got the mortgage for three million a million down we made two and a half million on a million dollars in like three to four years I mean, right so that's what you know when you say what really in the last five years has gotten me excited it's this idea of the multiplier effect. Uh, buying an apartment building and just tweaking it and getting a huge uh, jump in value even though the market is still selling at a 6% cap or a 5% or whatever it is you're just in the market yeah. and if there's any appreciation in the market that's the cherry on top of the ice cream sundae yeah and that's certainly when we do sometimes a deal with investors if we don't put up all the money ourselves and they benefit tremendously as well because yeah. we give again most of the profit that is realized will go to the investors. Yeah, and that's that's probably my biggest lesson in real estate, which I wish I knew as a fresh-faced 21-year-old, is that if you can find the deal, the money will find you. Yeah. And you know, we never run out of money, Ozzy, because you and I are always good at finding deals. We, we go out there, we find a great deal. Yeah. We've got great investors that have been with us for a long, long time, and we've made them lots of money. And they trust us, and I take that trust uh, to heart. You know, I, I don't uh, uh, ever, uh, take it for granted that they want to give me money. I always make sure that you know that money is money that I would want my kids to invest in, or I would want to invest in personally. It, it just that's why you know, we want to go look at, at look and see, touch the, yeah. the properties. You know, so. I this is a funny thing. You know, you and I uh, met, and you know, I bought an internet franchise from you, and we became friends and business partners. But before all that happened, I was your subscriber. And I remember uh, some company was selling condos in London, Ontario, and I phoned you up out of the blue and said, what should I do? And you actually called me back. I was amazed. <laughs> the famous Ozzy Jurek calls me back and you said, go look at it. <laughs> I went, huh. So anyway, I didn't go look at it, but I didn't buy it because I didn't go look at it. So whatever you said uh, made me not buy it. And sure enough, those things went from like 60,000 down to 30,000. And me being the contrarian that I am, I ended up buying uh, five of them at thirty thousand, and they went back up to sixty. So sure, yeah. I had gotten this real estate cycle thing down to a science. But the key but is, <laughs> we should, you know, if yeah, you, you have go enough money it. to buy it or risk it. I always find it amazing that people doesn't. I mean, the property you buy might look over a cemetery, or it might yep. be over a gas station. You got to go go and touch yep. it. One example is, uh, you know, this this company that was uh, selling a multifamily in Phoenix. I went down to look at it, and there was a high tension you know high voltage power line like right down the middle of it like yeah. right through the parking lot like this isn't too good you know yeah. you're gonna 
the tenants may not want to be here, but you're going to glow if you sit in this yeah. parking lot too long. So, you know, they never tell you about that kind of stuff. It's always the shots of the, you know, the beautiful park and the swimming pool. You yeah. got to go down there and walk it. And, you know, sometimes it's to our detriment. I remember we looked at one building that uh, had razor wire. You yeah. know, we, we drove around the parking lot at night and, and there was literally, it looked like a concentration camp. There was razor wire and we said, no, you know, we're going to run from this. But it ended up going up like four times. Well, so it's in a rising tide all. lifts all ships. And <laughs> exactly. that one was one of those. Uh, but there was enough buildings that we did buy and it did get involved in yeah. to, to do extremely well. The you, United States has been good to us. Mm-hmm. You can never have regrets. You know, no. it's better to be on the safe side. Sometimes you miss a couple of boats that leave the harbor. Big deal. So what next? There'll be another boat or another bus just... Just no question waiting. about it. You have to have some of gut feel too. I remember we had a building in Terrace and uh, for some reason or another we, we had put up some hard money. I forget now what it was, twenty or 25,000 and yep. we decided to walk away from it. We didn't really, there was just something about it. Maybe it was that huge fat property manager that sat in the middle of the floor <laughs> telling us to go look at it. Yeah, it wouldn't show us around. Whatever it was, we walked from that and then a year later we found out the building was full of asbestos. Yeah. You have a funny, you have a funny feeling, you know. Act on it. Listen, that was the I, best twenty thousand we walked away yeah, from ever. Like exactly. that was always good to listen to your gut feel. Listen to that. So, what are some of the bad recommendations that you hear about real estate investing? Well, you had talked a, a little bit earlier about leverage, and this is one of the things that I think people have to be careful of. Uh, it is a great thing about real estate, and if you're young and you can recover, leverage is a great thing. But if you're older, uh, leverage is something that can wipe you out. You know, if you, we talk about this multiplier effect, well, it's a double-edged sword. So I've seen some uh, projections of investments where they talk about this net operating income, but then I start looking sort of more closely and some of the assumptions just don't make sense. And if they don't hit their numbers in terms of occupancy right. or if interest rates go up, Boom, their net operating income gets wiped out and instead of a 25% increase in equity, it's a 25% reduction, which means all of your equity is gone. Right. You know, so a dollar increase increases the value $200. Well, it works the other way. A dollar decrease drops it $200. So be careful of leverage, particularly um, looking at what age you are. Like I'm at the stage right now where leverage is not for me. Like I, I'm working on an apartment building deal now and the mortgage broker calls me up and says, you know, CMHC isn't going to loan you that much money. Well, I don't care. Like I, I want to be more in cash. I don't want to be in a situation where, you know, the, the capital is at risk. Yeah, no question about it. So tell me, what about the new investors? What advice should they ignore? Is that uh, new investors, what they should ignore is what everybody's saying as far as I'm concerned. Like, you know, I love uh, Warren Buffett that says when people are yelling, then I should be selling. Like if everybody's, you know, jumping up and down saying, oh, this is great. Like, be careful. Look at it critically. And then if people are crying, um, that's when you should be buying. Because, you know, the situation in London, Ontario, I mentioned, they went down from 60,000 to 30,000. That's when we should be buying. We go down to Phoenix and, you know, after Lehman Brothers collapses and we can buy two bedroom condos for 22,000, that's when you should be buying. Um, you know, you look at markets right now, like everybody's crying in Edmonton. I don't think it's quite time to buy in Edmonton. You know, it may go down a little bit more, but I'm looking. I'm, you know, you have to look for opportunities. And so, as a young person getting into real estate, the most important thing is buy your personal residence because whether it goes up, down or sideways, 
if you pay that off and you own it, you'll never have to pay rent. So when your CPP comes in, you don't have to give a portion to your landlord. Like the most important thing is to own your personal residence free and clear. Sure. And then you're set. Like I'm, I'm not in the real estate business to be in the real estate business. I'm in the real estate business because I like my personal freedom. And I've built this paradigm now. It's kind of funny that people see me on Facebook or Instagram and instead of seeing me on the ski hill and uh, going, oh my God, Ralph is off playing again. I, they see a picture of me at work and they go, oh my God, Ralph's at work. Oh my God. You know, it's like <laughs> they're surprised to see me working rather than surprised well, to see me playing. We don't see you there that often, those <laughs> pictures that you're actually working. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but listen, but on the on the the, uh, the investment of time and money and energy, are there any quotes that you think of or live your life by? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, I got a couple of favorite ones. One is uh, an old Chinese proverb that says, the wise man learns from his mistakes, but the brilliant man learns from other people's mistakes. <laughs> and I think that's a great one. You know, I, I grew up as uh, the youngest of three brothers and my older two brothers would always get into so much trouble. You know, they would get grounded, they would get all this stuff. And I just kind of looked at them and I figured out ways around it, you know. And by the time I came along, my parents had thrown up their hands and given up. So I used to get away with murder, but always look for, you know, <laughs> learn from other people's mistakes. And it's the same thing in, in real estate or whatever you do. It's, you know, find some mentors, find some people that have been through it and, and learn from their people mistakes. Have, people have lived before us. Yeah. They have seen uh, tough times yeah. before. Another great quote, I, I, uh, I don't know who it's attributed to, but uh, the quote is that anything worth doing is worth doing poorly until you learn how to do it well. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to do real estate. I came to Vancouver. I, I had no clue, but I just was going out there and doing it. I was knocking on doors. I. You know, there was this trainer named Mike Ferry, and yeah. he said, just go out and knock on doors. So I would knock on like 300 doors a day until I would come home and I'd just lie on the living room floor. My back hurt so much. <laughs> I just knocked and he would stand, he'd give you a script and you'd say, uh, hi, I'm Ralph. When do you plan on moving? They go, what? <laughs> <laughs> he got direct. When do you plan on moving? I don't plan on moving. Oh, okay. Well, how long have you lived here? Uh, 30 years. Okay. Well, if you're going to move, where would you move to? Oh, probably, you know, Burnaby. Oh, when would that be? Oh God, you got me again. But you know, just going out and knocking on yeah. doors, I would get business. And, and, you know, I did, I was horrible at knocking doors, but I was knocking doors. So yeah. anything worth Act, doing. Action in the end is everything. Exactly. There's just no question about it. And sooner or later you get good at it. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's amazing. We learn two ways. Human beings learn through impact or constant spaced repetition. Yeah. And hopefully a constant spaced repetition of a quality idea. Well, we also have to learn the yeses, but we also have to learn um, saying no what what would be some of the things in the last five years that you become better at saying no to oh boy um i guess uh, saying no to uh buildings investments you know I, I love it when people come to me with ideas for investments and so i have an open door policy all of our clients you know we offer them a second opinion if they're going to invest in something with someone else i said just if you want to show it to me i'll give you my opinion and so I uh, say no a lot more than I say yes. And I would say it's probably nine out of 10 I say no to. And you have to look at, you know, you have to pick apart a deal and figure out what you don't like about it. But mainly the things that I look at are, you know, their projections of occupancy, their projections of interest rates, and also the management team. 
and you know sometimes that's the key yeah, yeah things are just pie in the sky sometimes mm -hmm. and also you know somebody's really good in a certain city and then all of a sudden they go to a different city and i'm like but you don't have the team there you know i'm right. i'm I'm not going to be the pioneer with the arrow in the back. You know, I want to be the settler that comes and builds the farm and has the fat pigs and... Yeah, after the is. treaties have been signed. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's be smart about this, folks. <laughs> okay, well, look, it's January 2019. We are in an interesting world, stock market-wise, real estate-wise, interest rate-wise, populism, Trump, all of those wonderful things. Let's stay local. What's your outlook for Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver markets in the next 12 months? Well, I look at, you know, Edmonton, Calgary, and um, Vancouver are very, very different markets. Like, I just see Vancouver as a market where rich people come and they park cash. And if you look at the west side, you know, where, where we live, um, people aren't going to sell. Like, you know, no matter what happens to the market, they're going to live there because it's a great place to live. So there's not going to be much volatility. We've seen volatility in sales volume, but we haven't seen much volatility in price. Yeah. So my thinking is Vancouver, just be patient. You know, it's, we're going to have some, some uh, turbulence in the next six months, but long term, if you can find good buys at cash flow, buy them because, you know, it, it just makes perfect sense. Now, I always say, there, there are three types of real estate. There's apartment units, there's townhouses, and there's detached houses. And if you can get a detached house, that always has the most appreciation because it has land. So buy a house with a suite, buy a duplex, something like that. That's your best investment. Townhouse, next best, and apartment, the last. But the nice thing about an apartment is everything is looked after in terms of your strategies and stuff. So if you don't want to look after maintenance and worry about a, a furnace that's broken, a roof that's leaking, stuff like that, buy an apartment by all means. But anyway, so Vancouver, a little bit of turbulence, but long term, I'm, I'm totally in the Vancouver market. Um, Calgary and Edmonton are kind of funny because Calgary is where all the uh, white collar jobs are, the geophysicists, the geologists. So when oil goes bad, Calgary gets hit harder um, because those are the first people to get fired. They can't fire the guy that's pulling oil out of the ground because that's where their bread and butter is and their money is. So Edmonton seems to do uh, better than Calgary in a recession. Now that being said, I think Calgary has more upside when it does pop and uh, it's a great livable city and I, I think they're going through tough times now and it's time to start looking at buying because they've been hammered and you know there's always opportunities. You might not always pick the perfect bottom. My preference is always wait till it starts going up so you ride the momentum yeah. up but it's time to be looking because we were looking in Phoenix too early. You know, we, we went down there in 2008 and it kept going down a little bit more afterwards, but we knew the market backwards and forwards by the time we started buying and we just made a killing in the last yeah. five years. No question, we need to understand our markets. We need to, you know, feel good about the environment, like culturally and so on. Edmonton, Calgary are fine, but not ready yet. Well, look, it's been an exciting uh, uh, few years that we've had in the real estate market. It will continue to be that way. We've been in this, this, this wild and woolly market, ups and downs uh, all the time through Russian crisis, oil crisis, you name it. And here we are today, probably will have some other crisis. But one thing is for sure, as you said, you buy your own house. If nothing else happens, you pay off the mortgage. You've created your own bank account. And, uh, and if it doesn't happen today, it'll happen next year. But go, by all means, look, make offers, be positive. Ralph, thank you so much for doing this. and. Uh, We'll catch you again. I hope so. Thanks.